everyone. This is Chris. This is the Dad Ranging Podcast. Pete and Joel are going to join me in a minute. We're picking up the conversation from last episode about starting school. Today, we're mainly focusing on the first conversation you have with your child's teacher. The first, he's pretty Jesus. And this is Pete. As the last episode, we were talking about um, preparing for the first day of school and first day of school protocols. And we started talking a bit about communicating with the school. And so that made us think perhaps we should talk about the first meeting that you have with the teacher. Um, And Joel, I know you used to, as a, a parent of an adult child, you've been through many, many meetings, but you were saying that you used to avoid them. Yes, I'd just like to clarify that in previous pods I have been referred to as the general, um, (laughs) given that I do have the most children, the oldest children, and the most diverse situations as a parent. That clarifies uh, me as the most experienced. I'm now sporting a moustache, and that makes me the general. Highest-ranking official of the regime. (laughs) There's other names we call you too, but General's good for today. <laughs> so, uh, the General, when he was just a 24-year-old, unemployed, long-haired... Um, Lout? Pretty much. Um, had to take his little girl to school. And it was it was a, really was a bizarre experience for me. I was surrounded by 30-something-year-old parents that all had nice cars and, and uh, owned their houses and... And it really was a situation that made me very uncomfortable, uh, especially because last time I was at school, I probably wasn't the best student and, you know, not amazing experience, positive experiences. Uh, so I literally used to walk Ruby to whatever door she needed to go to and then just run. Hightail it out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which in hindsight probably didn't do anything for Ruby in terms of her anxiety around, you know, going to school for the first time and that type of stuff. Um, and uh, on retrospectively, I think probably caused her a few problems in terms of her attitude towards schooling. Um, yeah, it makes me think if I could go back and give some advice to um, the young general, it would be that you can't, sometimes need to be the bigger person. Sometimes you need to put the kids first and actually model that this is okay. So again, last pod we talked about being prepared and being organised. I think modeling that um that confidence is kind of another thing that's going to help yeah um being positive set, setting that day up well by going in and saying oh where are we you know here we go and just taking charge and and letting your kid uh leaving nothing to your kid to have yeah. to negotiate themselves because parents having communication with teachers is very powerful like it, it shows that you as the parent value education but it's just a reminder to the child that your your parents and your teachers are talking to each other. Like there is a there's some kind of conversation that's happening that there's no you're not going to school and what's happening there is secret. 
Yeah, yeah. So There's something that, very valuable in that yeah. for the parent and yeah. the teacher yeah. and, and, child. and the child. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I should have I should have actually been going in there and saying, "Hey, I'm Joel. This is Ruby. Here's our situation." Um, should have done a lot of things, but I think probably if I was going to ask questions or have conversations um, as a, as a young man with uh, with teachers, I would probably start with social and emotional loaded questions yeah. in terms of here's where my child's at socially or emotionally um, what sort of stuff do you guys do at school what can I do at home um, to help prepare them and to help uh, help them uh, connect in with school because I think in that first week in that first term the more stable they are emotionally and socially the, the better their year is going to go absolutely so I think there's probably some guidelines that we could we could share to help people have a better first meeting with the teacher yeah yeah i mean my um at the beginning of each year i'll ask all my parents to make an appointment with me and pretty much straight away like as soon as as soon as we can feasibly start making time because there's things i want to know about your child when they come into my classroom i want to have a conversation with you um but it's really important to make an appointment there's, it's so busy. We, we talked about it last episode that, that that first week, the first couple of weeks, even the first month is just so busy. You can't expect the teacher to have time for you when you just rock up. Mm. Would you agree, Pete? Uh, I would agree. Um, and if, every, if you, I always think of it in terms of like, if everyone thought that the important thing for their child was on top of their head and the teacher needed to know it, on that very first day, in that very first minute, you'd have 27 parents standing there all wanting that chunk of your yep. time. And it'll, it'll only take a minute. It'll only take a minute. Yep. But that's, yeah, that's that's 30 minutes of just a minute. And, and we all know they're not just a minute. And the other, the other thing is, like, <laughs> your kid's important. We get that. Everyone's kid's important. They're just as important as every other kid. And But I don't know about you guys, but when... I, I, you know, there's a lot, there is some handover. Sometimes you go and talk to pre- previous teachers about what what the kid's like and all of that sort of stuff. But I also feel sometimes parents want to come to you and talk to you about stuff that will give you a predetermined idea about what their child's like. Mm. And then if you've got that predetermined idea, then that shades yeah. or could shade yeah, or could whatever, you, you know. Yeah. Like, and sometimes the way a child acts at home is very different to school or with a previous teacher or Mm. with a group of friends or something. And so as a teacher, when you get a class, you're trying to mold that into a cohesive unit. Mm. And sometimes it's better as a teacher not to know stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, brings me to my second uh, guideline, which is don't rubbish last year's teacher to me. Um, (laughs) I know it's very tempting to blame any difficulties that your child's had at school or whatever on on a teacher, and you know maybe maybe it's true. But I work with these people. Uh, I genuinely like all the people I work with, and I know how hard they work, and I know how dedicated they are. And it's actually not going to make a difference to me whether you like them or not. You know that's not going to change how your child has uh, your child's experience of my classroom is not going to change because of your perception of of another teacher. However, there will be a massive question mark floating above your head <laughs> until you do something to remove that. <laughs> Conversely, though, 
if you are saying that they had trouble uh, in a previous classroom, I am interested in what it was that was that they were having trouble with or what, it, what mm. um, how they were feeling about certain things because that can be very enlightening. Mm. Is it an anxiety thing? Was it an academic thing? You know, what was it that was actually causing the difficulty? Um, not um, personality. Right, personality is not going to cut it. Yeah, we all know that. And the other thing about that don't rubbish last year's teacher is don't compare the teacher, the new teacher, to that teacher as well. Oh, well, last year... <laughs> Mr. Such-and-such or Mrs. Such-and-such did this. Are you going to do that this year? Are you? Because I think you should, because it worked really well for my child. Yep. Oh, how grating is that? Yeah, don't judge Don't judge the new teacher or the new classroom or the fact that, that in this classroom is a kid who your child didn't get along with three years ago. Don't make any judgments about the classroom or their experience too soon. I think we touched on that one um, last yep. time as well. Yeah. Um, it's important to communicate um, big events that have happened recently. For instance, we've just moved house. Yep. might not seem big, but it could be a big change of environment for your child, especially because they they might have changed schools. That you know, um, Changing classroom can be confronting enough, let alone moving house too. Mm. Um, a family member passing away, a pet passing away, like things like that yep. can impact someone's experience uh, at the beginning of a school year. And so those things are important. Um, and that's going okay. back to what Joel was talking about with, it's not just young inexperienced parents like you were talking about with talk, talking about the emotional well-being of the kids. It's like any parent, if there's something big that you think is going to be a determinant in your child's mood, a dramatic determinant, then yeah, you need to let the parents know, uh, let the teachers know. I had a, um, a, f- a cousin of mine in, um, in WA who's a teacher and he's had a crazy experience um, due to the parents not communicating. He said this kid who kind of struggled in whatever the subject was he was teaching and he constantly had to push him and it was uh, assessment day where it was like an in-class assessment where they've just got to write using the feedback that they've got. And he's pushing, encouraging this kid, but saying, come on, mate, you can do this. Like, I'm, I really need you to work and not sort of taking any excuse or oh, I'm tired or whatever. He said the kid just had his head on his desk and he just, it was almost like he was giving up. And uh, after two sort of encouragements, uh, the kid came up to his desk and pushed a note to him and then went and sat back down. He read the note and said, sorry, I'm having trouble concentrating. My parent, you know, par- my parent died three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he oh just God. sort of went whoa you know like the, and as much as the parents wanted to keep it private and thought the less attention the <clears> better it, the, and, and, and that was their prerogative um, but geez it would have been handy, handy to know. for that teacher yeah. to know oh. you know <laughs> yeah, handy to know. Because a different teacher might not have been supportive in their encouragement. Yeah. You know, you, you could, uh, on, yeah. on the wrong day, just go, right, I've had enough, yeah. you need to do, and not realise that, that that's the time patience is required. So definitely communicate those big events. We've sort of gone, haven't gone in order, so I'm not sure where to go next. Uh, we had mode of communication. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Well, the idea is that, I guess, with that one was, like, you don't have to talk to them face-to-face about everything. Okay, so yeah. That's so, in the beginning of the school year where it's really, really busy, you've tried to make an appointment, you've got an appointment, but it's not for a week, but something really important happens. 
email call the school let let someone know that that something's happened um if it's a big thing and you speak to the lady in the office or the man in the office whoever's working in the office and you say um and you say look there's been a death in the family i'd like i'd like the teacher to da, 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 da. can you know, can if, if if they have time could they give me a call back yeah, you know, if more yeah. information's needed, yeah. you don't have to st- tell the whole story yeah. because ninety nine point nine percent of teachers, the second they get an email from the office staff saying that you might not want to call such and such a person because there's been a death in the family, they'll probably call you as soon as they get the email. Yeah, but don't expect it. Yeah, and then when you do get that meeting, that first meeting, uh, I just think it's really important that you know what the important information is that you want the teacher to understand. Yeah, whether that's academic, whether that's social, emotional, um, be prepared to be honest about how you're feeling about their educational experience and whatever, um, without bagging um, <laughs> our colleagues. Um, but know what know what it is you want to say. Um, I I often end all of my first meetings with, "What does success look like for you this year?" Because that often gives me a uh, a lot of information about how I'm going to go about goal setting and stuff for your child. So think about that. What, at the end of this next school year, what goals do you want your child to have achieved? Is there a focus area that you've been chipping away at for a long mm-hmm. time that you want my support to um, to help them achieve? Um, and have those conversations with, with the teacher because we're going to spend five or six hours a day, 40 weeks this year with your child chances are we're going to have uh, an opportunity to have a big impact if we know what's important to you and the other part about the important things is that i you know there's those parents that look like they're going to walk out the door because and you think the meeting's finished and then they want to have a bit of small talk and they want to add some more store another story about oh, about the time that blah 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 and, oh you were like this one or you were like that oh and then all of a sudden you're 15 minutes 15 minute important thing meeting is now an hour and it's been 45 minutes of yeah rubbish small talk talk. you know it's nice to get to know the teacher the teacher probably wants to get to know you yeah the teacher's probably got a thousand other things to do as well and the best thing for your child's education is probably to let them get on with it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking before when you guys were mentioning this whole concept of for parents how to come in uh, or what to do for a, an interview. Uh, well, what do, what do I do as a teacher to prepare for an interview? Yeah. Uh, obviously, in the, in the very first one, you don't have a lot of information about the child, so it's actually it is more um, parent orient, yeah. orientated in terms of I want to actually seek information from you. But I think you should potentially schedule time for talking and time for listening. Yeah, mm. as in. I'm going to ask the parent a, a, a series of questions that help give me the the type of information that I'm seeking, which is how do they how do they go emotionally, how do they go socially, uh, academically. I've got records, I've got yeah. a lot of history academically, um, but I'm, of course I'll still ask those questions, and it's almost establishing how they're going to fit and what can I do to help them feel comfortable mm-hmm. and confident so that they are willing to take risks and chances in my class so that they'll learn. Yeah. Um, and so, but then there's also that part where I actually want to let you know a little bit about how I do things and how I run so that when your child comes home and says A, B or C, that you already knew that. Mm. Yeah. 
And if there's anything outside of A, B, and C, then I'll deny it. <laughs> Was I singing in class? I never sing. I hate singing in class. Um, it probably makes kids really bored, so I would never do something like that. As with remembering, as the parent in that first meeting, you're probably going to do most of the talking. Yeah. The, the parent. Like, as a teacher, I'm going to ask you the questions, because as you said, we're not looking at student work. We're not talking about their progress yet. Um, it really is a chance for you to tell me uh, what you think is, in, is important. Um. Keeping it about the kid. Keeping it about the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, like it's great that you went to school and you have a good understanding of how you were taught when you're at school and you can't understand why we don't do things those ways. Yep. Excellent. Uh, you can tell us about them another time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the kid in that first meeting and what their interests are, so that if they're having trouble getting into a subject, we yeah. can use those interests to make it applicable to them or make it more engaging for them and all of that sort of stuff because that's kind of what our role is is to engage the students in the best way that we can um and if the child is there try not to run them down and uh or talk about their shortcomings or anxieties in front of them because a lot of the time the anxieties that the kids are having is either because it's the parents anxieties which they have then imparted on the child or they've talked about them too much in front of the kid, which has raised their anxiety levels mm. about something, anything. Mm. So if there's something which is probably a, a negative, probably just leave that to a, a, an appointment or an email which, are, which will be confidential between the teacher and the child and rather talk about what the kid's interests are and open the conversation that way. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with, with that completely. Um, is there a pointed bit to end on? We've covered all those points, but so now it's that takeaway stuff, isn't it? Mm. Is that so? If we were going to summarise in thirty seconds how to approach that first meeting, make an appointment. Yeah, make it about the kid. Make it about the kid. Be positive. Take the lead mm. for your children. Tell me what's important. Yeah. Don't get bogged down in bullshit. So we've been talking a lot about uh, advice for parents on uh, first day and preparing for school. As teachers, I'm wondering how each of you are preparing for your first day of school. I know traditionally for me preparing for the first day of school has been not doing anything until the last feasible moment <laughs> before officially starting work again after the holidays how about you joel uh yeah that's been my go-to <laughs> method <laughs> no i actually go sunday night um oh, okay or um yeah usually sunday night i open up get my head into the emails um if it's school monday but i guess we've got our um student free days usually you've got your three student free yep. days to start and that's where I get my head into it start looking at the units uh, and then prepping up that first week but as we talked about in previous pod a lot of the first week is setting up activities and systems and processes that will help the kids to settle to form um Mm. Uh, you know social groups and stuff like that to to then actually set up a positive term so you know that you've got that first week to really sort of get to know the kids and 
really sort out how you're going to um, run out the curriculum. So, yeah. but this year, yeah, oh, here we go. But wait. is this a New Year's resolution? <laughs> but this year. I've already started planning. No, I'm actually going to have to get my head into it um, about a week earlier because I've got a. I'm teaching my first senior class. Mm. Um, I've mainly taught junior high school, so now I'm teaching senior for the first time, and the senior curriculum has changed. So we've got new mm. new senior curriculum. So I've got to get through a heap of work to really get my head. What subject area? Visual arts. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, so I'm really happy about that. Um, so, really, yeah, I've got to get my head into it so I understand exactly what it means, particularly for the new system, because the OP system's gone. So we're on the new ATAR system, so all the subjects count differently for stuff. So I need to I need to understand what I'm doing and how it contributes to their overall goal. Yeah. So it's a bit more important than, than usual. You know, I don't just yeah. have to get through it and get you the grade. I need, really need to get it so that um, I understand what it's doing for you yeah. as the student and where it's going to position you so it's a big yeah. deal so I'm going to ha- actually have to do some work this holidays <laughs> but it's about visual art and, yeah. probably, and, that, and you know like if it was about a subject that you weren't so passionate about <laughs> yeah well no I've got to learn the system so what I have to learn is yeah the visual arts bit I'll still leave to the last day because, <laughs> but I have to learn this whole new curriculum and the idea of uh, assessing and all, all that stuff is going to be pretty new so yeah. my approach has changed a little bit this year and um, for a couple of reasons one I'm going four days a week this year. So I just can't wait to have a three-day weekend every week. <laughs> but that's changing my planning a little mm. bit because it means you know I've got four days to do the things that are important. And even though um, I've got someone who's who's teaching the fifth day and they'll have their responsibilities to do on that day, you you can't stretch out your week, you know, like you like I normally would. Um, so that's getting me to focus a little bit more on what are the things that are important. The other thing I've got happening this year, though, is that I've got a student teacher who's coming to do her internship with me. Um, and while a lot of people would walk into my classroom and go, well, he's just making all this stuff up as he goes along. Part of that's true. But part of it is bedded in a lot of research and trial and error and testing and knowing what works. Having a student teacher has made me think about how do I explain why we're doing this now or you know like trying to give her the some knowledge and some structure about how i got there without it having to be um an elaborate long-winded speech about best pedagogy so i've started going back to my gary steger and alfie cohen and these guys who fundamentally changed the way i thought about teaching 10 years ago and it's just been so refreshing and I'm approaching this year now going, oh, I've got all these new ideas now. You know, 10 years of, of listening to them talk about stuff, but now adding it to a whole new layer of um, skill and competency that I feel like I've got. Now I'm going, ah, oh, yeah, I could try this now. Or I can layer these things together in the classroom now. And hopefully I can explain it in a way that makes sense too so that someone else can take those things away because I've always been reluctant for people to be in my classroom and use it as a model because it's just me right mm-hmm. even though it's it's embedded in research in the end it's just me doing the stuff that I think I think works having someone who's going to be in there and watching and participating has made me change my perspective on it that now I it's not just about justifying it it's about articulating 
why we're doing it and why it's working. And how do you explain it so that someone will understand and be able to do it in their own way yes. without upsetting the Without thinking that they the just vibe. have to copy it. Or Yes. Yes. Because yes. 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 I think a lot of things about the young about student teachers and possibly even the way that it's set up is that they think that they have to emulate the person that they're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it's like anything. You take the best bits of what you see and then you bring your own little bit of personal flair to it yeah. and then that's what will make the package. Because yeah. when I was a young student teacher, it'd be like what um, in that previous story when Joel was the young, experienced parent, I was the young, ex- inexperienced teacher. And so I was always in, out of my depth, looking for the role model, the person that I could copy. And that's what happened to me. It took me a long time to realise that I can't do it like other people can, and no one can necessarily do it like I can do it. All I can do is pick and choose things that work and develop those. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Very good. What about your first day? Well... My job, my role is a little bit different in a way because I don't have my own class. So my mine just starts with a whole bunch of negotiation with other people. Like yeah. I can't, the, I can't really prepare myself in some respects because I have my, my, every day, every day, all day is a negotiation with another person, me being the teacher, about mm. what it is that they're going to be doing. What what and or like just me setting up my timetable, mm. you know, because I go in and do learning support. Um, but this is my first time in three years where I've changed cohorts as well. So I've been working with the same year level for the last three years. And so now I'm winding back to start with a new year level. So it, I have to go and learn all of those kids' names and who are the kids that will be needed targeted intervention and all of those sorts of things. Um, and so I'm, it's, it's kind of sad for me in a way because I've built such a relationship up with these other kids and now they're just going to be in the school, but I'm not really going to be yeah. working with them anymore. Um, so, yeah, my, I, I, it is a little bit tricky in terms of what my weeks are even going to look like. You know, like that, the first mm. day at school, it could be me work, like helping a child into the school yeah. and then I might get a phone call and then I have to yeah. be somewhere else and all of those sorts of things. So it takes a couple of weeks for my timetable to really settle down. What I will be doing over the coming weeks is to look at the, the students who will need um, extra support around the place and and working out uh, where they are in the school and where they are. So essentially you're saying you, you can do no planning. You've got you get nothing to do for two weeks yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> um, but there is another thing. I um, I'm start. I have to get myself prepared for schooling in another context because I'm going back to university. And so I'm going to be that annoying uh, middle-aged guy. <laughs> You know, like some guys go and buy a motorbike, some guys go and buy a Ferrari or a, well, not a Ferrari, but a, a sports car. I'm going back to uni as my midlife crisis, so, so to speak. What are you? What are you studying? Um, I'm doing a Bachelor of Arts in Creative Industries, mm-hmm. um, and so pretty much I've liked to creatively write for a long time, and so this is really just following a hobby, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, rather than going and trying to study something where I'm going to get a whole new 
career in marketing or something like that. It's not really about that for me. It's about me just developing something that's a hobby and making it up as I go along. Hmm. That's why I chose the Bachelor of Arts, because if I feel... I th- I'm, I'm hoping that another direction may come up where I might like to follow down that path later on. Yep. Um, you know, so it might get down 10 years' time, I might go, right, I... I've had enough of teaching now, um, but lucky I've got these other things. Or something might yeah, just yeah. pop up because yeah. the creative industries, it's not just about creative writing. It's about editing. It's about publishing. It's about a whole bunch of different things. And I'm, I, I didn't want to go and do a master's in teaching because then if I do a master's, it, it isn't really necessarily going to open up another door outside of the education no. thing. I wanted something that was going to be hobby, that an interest and and I'm not even really planning on finishing the degree necessarily. <laughs> You're just immersing yourself just, in a creative environment. Yeah. But one of the funny things is that, like, when I last studied, it was photocopying from journals, doing research. It was learning how to use a word processor and all of those sorts of things. And now it's like I've got the internet and I can use a word processor fine. I reckon, that, you know, it's going to be a real different way of mm. education mm. for me mm. it's going to be strange I, I, I'm, yeah and then you look at it and you're like do you do the introductory semester where they teach you how to reference and all of that sort of stuff and i'm like well <laughs> no i don't think i'll be doing that one i'll just make it up as i go along wing it i'll wing that yeah so that's my little exciting getting ready for school is me getting ready for my own schooling nice Um, I've actually been listening to, and it's like, I I feel like it's a little bit of an obvious one, you know, but I've been listening to Shirtloads of Science with Dr. Carl, and pretty much, there's a couple of reasons why I like it. 20 minutes, short, sharp and shiny, new scientific discovery, and he is speaking to the ultimate scientists from around the world. Like, we're talking about um, the like what's it called the CERN like talking to CERN scientists and talking to and and they and they they explain it and he explains it back and then ask questions in layperson's terms really easy to to grasp and the other thing I like about it is that he's got a he's really seeking out a lot of female scientists and I would suggest that anyone who is looking for a podcast where to to introduce females to STEM and all of those sorts of things. Get onto it. Twenty minutes. It's it's an easy chunk to kind of get, and there's a lot of positive role models that he's talking to. What's it called? Shirtloads of shirtloads of science. He says something like, "I like shirts and I like science." <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, not on my playlist, but on my Shazam. Uh, and the last one that I did was called Freedom Lover by Ocean Alley, which is just cruisy Byron Bay type stuff. Freedom Lover by Ocean Alley. Ocean Alley. Cool. We shall link both of those. Um, you, I've talked about my disdain for kids YouTube before, um, but I found a really cool series. Uh, it's the Minecraft Hermitcraft 
series. There's been six previous series, but the sixth one is there must be like 15 Minecraft YouTubers. They all play on the same server mm. and they all release their own content and it is kid friendly it is super safe there is no swearing there is no violence there is nothing except them playing minecraft with each other they are really funny really creative and it's just a really cool thing that uh, thomas and i are sharing we'll sit down and watch an, an episode of hermitcraft rather than uh watch a tv show or anything like that so what's it called hermitcraft like hermit as in like hiding in a cave it's a bit of an in joke for them i think um yeah really cool hermitcraft season six cool start at, start at the beginning bye okay Mm-hmm.